0: drinking she's the,
1: Off and in the pay disparity between the men and women is is just too large and and we want to continue to fight uh, the generation of players before us fought and now it's our job to, to keep on fighting pay cap
2: for the women's Major League Soccer players is 11 times less than the pay cap for men's Major League Soccer. 11 times.
1: Rapino gets Mr. you the
0: USA's life. You are listening to Give and Go with Rotas Wadera, only on Girls Soccer Network. Hello and welcome. I am your host, Rotas Wadera, and thank you for tuning in to episode 43 of Give & Go. We are coming to you from Los Angeles. Thank you so much, again, for making the choice to listen to us at Girls Soccer Network. Of course, for all the latest news, analysis, lifestyle, everything within the world of women's soccer, we got you covered at www.girlssoccernetwork.com. And, of course, this show Give and go, please subscribe, share, Leave us a review on iTunes. That would be greatly, greatly beneficial. We appreciate all your support, feedback. If you have any for us, if you'd like to donate to this podcast, we have links for that. So, you know, whatever we can provide for you in the world of women's soccer, we're going to be able to do that. So, again, www.girlssoccernetwork.com. This podcast is called Giving Go. And you can check us out on Instagram at Girls Soccer Network and on Twitter at Girls Soccer Net. All right. So we got a rundown of today's show for you. A lot of great stuff. So much going on, not just in the NWSL, right? A lot of news to get to that we want to talk about. Plus the Women's cup, a brand new cup for the first year uh, was brought in this year and it was incredible. It went off really well, so we're going to get into that. And of course, the Women's International Champions Cup, which has been going on. There were two previous editions of that competition, and the third one just wrapped up. So we're going to get into those competitions, plus two very special interviews. One with Houston Dash striker Veronica Latsko and Slammers FC head coach, part of the ECNL, out here on the West Coast, Slammers FC. So again, a lot of great content coming for you in this episode. Keep it locked here with us. All right, so there's a lot of big news involving some of the coaches, a lot of controversy around the league, but I want to start with some of the big trades that have happened. Uh, Two big ones right off the bat, Adriana French going to Kansas City. Um, Of course, she's from Kansas, born there, went to high school there, uh, ended up playing at... Oklahoma State in the Big 12. So she's a Midwestern girl. She's going back to the Midwest. Of course, Kansas City is in Missouri, not Kansas. Let's not mix that up, please. And uh, it's a big get for for Kansas City, of course. I mean, you have your number one goalkeeper now, uh, hopefully until she retires. But we don't know what's to come of Adriana Franch and how much longer is she really going to play. She's done what it seems like everything that she's needed to do to get to where she wants to go. So, you know, Portland must really believe that either Abby Smith is going to be a good, you know, number one keeper to kind of fill in until they feel Bella Bixby's ready or they feel that Bella Bixby is ready right now. And I believe Bella Bixby is ready to take over right now. I don't see... You know, they've been clearly been grooming her for this moment, and it seems like she's ready. Played great in the, in the Champions Cup, so I don't see any reason for why Bella Bixby isn't the number one keeper for Portland moving forward. Just a big time trade when it seemed like A. Dizzle had a strong connection to the city of Portland, and she would pro- likely end up, you know, retiring there is what it seemed like, especially because you know louisville had a chance at her in the expansion draft and portland very well said told christy holly if you guys take her she will most likely retire so there you have it obviously a dizzle's going a little bit closer to home be a little bit closer to family and i think this is where she plans on finishing out her career so you know it's it's an interesting move um But I think Portland being the best team in the league, I think this is what they've been working towards. This is what they've been building towards, having a brand new number one that they can trust, and I think that's going to be Bella Bixby moving forward. The second big trade... Amy Rodriguez to the North Carolina Courage. I'll tell you what, that was one I was not expecting, but it really just goes to show how all-in the North Carolina Courage are to getting another title. They are going to squeeze every last drop every last drop out of this potential championship opportunity to, to win titles, excuse me. Big miss is having Sam Mewis out. I think a series of knocks that she's picked up over the last couple of, of years have started to pile up. And Paul Riley mentioned that Mewis will be out for a little while. So that's a big miss for the North Carolina Courage. And the fact that they're willing to let her take that time off of herself is a great thing. So It speaks to, you know, they're not going to force her to do anything she doesn't want to do. They're giving her the time that she needs to heal up and that's great on the courage for being able to do that and you have this a-rod trade that makes it so interesting because they gave up young pieces that they're going to need down the line for when this whole championship group gets split up giving up hayley mace Kristen Hamilton and Caitlin Rowland, three players who you essentially groomed yourself, right? Three players who they did all the work, developed them. Similar like with Lauren Millier going to Louisville, they do such a great job at developing these younger players, and you're gonna give that up for Amy Rodriguez, who isn't getting any younger. All right, it's a it's a great move for the Courage in terms of winning right now, and maybe for the next year or two, right? Assuming again you keep that whole core of of star players together. Um, Amy Rodriguez is an elite striker, one of the best in the history of United States women's soccer. There is no doubt. All right, she's one of the best to ever do it in terms of putting the ball in the back of the net, and. Uh, It's very hard to see her ending up with another team after this. I feel like this could be her last stop. Either way, you're going after rings here, and this is a great move. I mean, it fits. I think she fits with the Courage try to do so perfectly. And so, you know, they're still hanging around. I think they do see themselves as... The second best team in the league right behind Portland and they're trying to keep up with them and I think part of that was to make this A-Rod deal. They knew that if they didn't do something, the gap was going to get too big and it was going to get out of hand for them. I think this trade definitely keeps them in the hunt as a title challenger and there is a solid level of familiarity between Paul Riley and Amy Rodriguez. They worked together in the WPS with the Philadelphia independents back in 2010 and 2011. So you know, this relationship is a great working relationship, and I think, like I said earlier, it's a great fit for Amy Rodriguez and the Courage. It's just, again, the timing of it in terms of their future. Again, they really have to win. It, it is up to like these next two or three years before this team gets split up. I mean, of course, they're going to keep Lynn Williams. They're going to be able to keep Dabinia, most likely. But the, the status of a player like a, like a Sam Uess, uh is totally up in the air. You know, J-Mac, how many more years do they have left where they're going to be able to continually do this year in and year out together? That's a big question mark. But again, the Courage are one of the better teams in the league. We know that. We know what they're capable of. It's going to be a great, you know, rest of the season to see how far off they are from the Thorns, who are clearly running away with it at this present moment in the season. All right, so now we talked about, you know, some of the big trades. I wanted to get into some of the other news around the league. Big, very surprising news out of uh, D.C., Richie Burke steps down, but it's not him stepping down that's the issue. It's the club reporting that it was for health reasons that he was stepping down. But then, a couple hours later, reports come out that he was verbally abusing some of the players. And that was the real reason for him getting the sack or him, quote unquote, stepping down, whatever the reason is, you know, poor work environment, poor culture, in in the organization that's what's so surprising about it is from the public eye from the public perspective it really at no point seemed like there was any kind of issue i mean burke isn't just the head coach he's the director of football for the club you know he's playing a big role in bringing in all the players that they brought in this team that they have now out there is essentially his creation and now he's no longer going to be a part of it of course there's no room for any kind of abuse there's no room for that right um the level to which there was abuse we will never know but all i'm saying is i'm sure there are many many coaches across america and around the world who are secretly you know doing this essentially across the country you know everywhere coaches will do whatever it takes to get their message across to their players whether it's You know, actually good for the players' well-being or not, that remains to be seen. But coaches can get intense. And I'm sure some of you who are listening have also dealt with coaches in the past who can be intense, who will say things to you that don't exactly make you feel all that great. Uh, So it's an interesting situation to see him uh, getting the sack in this way because of how it happened, the club trying to cover it up for health reasons rather than what may have actually been going on of course it's still pending an investigation and everything but i highly doubt uh, we will see richie burke back in the nwsl after this incident we'll see what will happen to him in his career but for the time that he was here um he did have a solid amount of success with the spirit and definitely turned that organization around Given where they were at as a club, the moves that they made, completely rebuilt that young core that they now have, uh, it's exciting for them. So, you know, they they won't have Richie Burke around to, to lead this team, but there a little bit of, of thanks is due for building that team. Similarly with, you know, Elise LeHue and that whole situation, she does not get to see the creation that she built But ultimately, you know, this is the world that we live in. You cannot be making mistakes like like that, period, point blank. You cannot be doing this. We live in a different world now. You cannot, you know, if if you're there in silence, you know, you can't be anymore. Things will come to light no matter what. Things will find a way to come to light. You can hide as much as you want to hide. But, uh, yes, yeah, so you never truly know what's going on behind the scenes in situations like these. And so, you know, for the spirit, they're going to have to move on from this. Tom Torres, the interim takes over, who also took over when Jim Gabara uh, was was sacked a couple years ago. So he's clearly going to be a transitional interim guy uh, until they find a new coach. They did just get a big win over Orlando. Ashley Sanchez scoring a cracking goal. We'll get to that later. But, yeah, Richie Burke out in Washington, the other uh, big move. This is a little bit older, so forgive me for touching on it. I just had to say my two cents on Mark Skinner leaving Orlando for you know in the way that he did. It's not nice, obviously, the way that he put all these hopes in Orlando fans' heads of what they were building, the the project that he was working on, what he was trying to create exactly. And we really got to see that this year. This was finally the year because you have a healthy Alex Morgan back. You have Sydney LaRue playing the best she's played in years. Marta is still there, you know, plus the the rise of Taylor Korniak and all these other, you know, factors. Ali Krieger playing better, Ashlyn Harris being as great as she is. We finally started to see Orlando build on what Mark Skinner was trying to accomplish. But sometimes the best laid plans don't always work out. And, uh, and man, the second Manchester United came calling, Mark Skinner was like, Peace, you guys are not... <laughs> You, It's been fun, Orlando, but I'm taking arguably the biggest job in the women's game right now. Like, that is the biggest job available in the women's game. I'm sorry. I have bias, and I have no shame for that bias. Manchester United is one of the three biggest clubs on the planet. And so if you're Mark Skinner and you're from England... Right, and you've been in Orlando for the last couple years, and now all of a sudden, Manchester United that job opens up for the women. He was always going to take that job. There was no way. I am so sorry, Orlando, but there is no way he was going to stick around. It is selfish what he did. Absolutely selfish. Um, I don't think, you know, it was the right the way he did things, but everyone again will always be after there self-interest first people will always be looking after themselves first and he's got to do what he's got to do you know opportunities like that don't come very often they really don't so it'll be very interesting to see mark skinner as a manchester united manager now Uh, instead of in Orlando. But Becky Burley takes over and they could not have found a more perfect replacement. Someone from the state of Florida, former University of Florida head coach of the women's program, a legend there, has coached many NWSL players. Um, It was just the right fit. And clearly you can see from the type of soccer that they're playing that she was a great fit for them. So I hope that it's for the long term. Uh, She's one of the more experienced coaches. And I think... It was a shot that she deserved. We'll see how far it goes with Orlando, but she's got a great team to work with. So, I mean, not a bad spot for Becky Burley to be coming in, uh, trying to lead Orlando to the promised land. All right, that wraps up the coaching carousel. Now we move into some other things just wanted to address within the NWSL. I mean, whether it's the refereeing um, that has not been good, the camera work, the the commentators screwing up pronunciations, then there's the screwing up of Quinn's pronouns on literally a segment that was supposed to be about her pronouns. (laughs) Like, by no means am I, you know, trying to make a, a joke out of it, but it is highly ironic that you go into that video trying... To shed a light on what quinn's pronouns are and more about what it means to be transgender and then you just completely miss the entire point of it you know by not correctly mentioning her pronouns which are they them not she her it's like how many times do we have to go over this how many times and again the league is nowhere to be found uh in terms of like we will fix this you know we will crack down on this Not much. Uh, They're almost turning themselves into the NFL here in a minute, which you don't want to be. You do not want to be hated by the fans. But hey, NFL is hated by the fans, but it's the richest league, one of the more popular leagues. People will always go back to watch it. Okay, Will the NWSL get to that point one day? No clue. Would it be crazy if they did? Absolutely. But... Either way, the league is is not in a great, particularly great spot in terms of a PR standpoint. I think part of it is just unfortunately, you know, the league itself doesn't have enough money, um, or if they do, they're not allocating it to the right resources because they should be able to go out and get better camera people who have filmed soccer matches before. They can go and get better commentators who have clearly you know like the, the true pros who do this right and and fix the pronunciation issue and fix all these other things they just there's not enough money to go around it seems for anyone to really make th- that much of a difference like in order for th- the popularity of the league is going to continue to rise but the infrastructure to match it now that's the tough that's the tough thing Right? Like, will we get to that point? It, it's going to take some time. It's going to take some time. I, I keep referring back to the WNBA uh, because look at where that sport is and where. Just look at the stars and how the sport has grown. And it's truly spectacular to see the WNBA put in the groundwork. And hopefully the NWSL follows that. I mean, those first 10, 12 years were tough. They were. Before, you know, they obviously have their own ESPN deal, NWSL does not, so that makes them even more visible than the NWSL, but still, like, they've created enough of a foundation, they've done the groundwork. And now they can build on that. Whereas we're still in the growing phase. We're still with the growing pains, dealing with figuring out things logistically. And and there's going to be some unfortunate situations that none of us as fans want to see because we know that the women's soccer scene here in America deserves the absolute best, but we're not getting it. And that's the bottom line. We're not getting the best out of everyone else except the actual players and coaches. They're doing great. But everyone else needs to step it up, man. Everyone else needs to step it up. All right, last little piece here on the NWSL. Just wanted to get y'all caught up on some of the better matches that we saw over you know, these last couple weeks. Three that really stood out. One being Kansas City finally got that first win of the season. Thank God. I, I was starting to get a little worried Um, about when they would get that first win, but they finally got it. Uh, And it's huge for them because you can see what they're starting to build with that young core Um, because of that trade with North Carolina to get Amy Rodriguez. All of a sudden, you have three great pieces. You have Caitlin Rowland coming in, all right, who could have been a number one herself, was North Carolina Courage's number one keeper for a while. But then you have... Adriana Franch coming in as well. So they're set at keeper now. Then you have Haley Mace and Kristen Hamilton, two great attacking players. Kristen Hamilton has done a lot already. And then you add Kiki and Victoria Pickett into that mix, and you've got a lot of great pieces to work with. Darian Jenkins there as well. Uh, So I think Kansas City has done all the right things except for get the results. And to get that big result, again, Victoria Pickett getting the game winner late on to beat the rain. So, you know, very happy for that organization. They are a proud organization that has won titles in the past. So I know that they're going to try to rebuild the right way now, uh, even though they're, they're likely stuck at the bottom of the table this year. But to get that one win and get the monkey off their back, that, that's huge for them. Second big game of note, probably the rain coming back from 2-0 down after Ife Onomanu scored two fantastic goals for Gotham. First off, Ife Onomanu, six goals on the year, scoring left and right, really seeing things well out on the pitch, and more importantly, taking her chances in front of goal. Um you know, when she's doing that, Gotham are even stronger because we know what their defense is like. However, their defense, shockingly, was the side that of, of their team that totally folded. Uh, Kristen McNabb got a header from a corner kick to make it 2-1 and then two more Pino penalties, two more Pino specials, uh, including one in the 90th minute to give the reign the win that was big they needed that because they had just allowed Kansas City to get their first win of the season over them so if you're the rain it's a nice bounce back win of course Laura Harvey's there now as the new coach with Farid Bensteddi out another great fit Uh, For the rain, I think Laura Harvey also gets a team full of stars that she gets to work with now that that I think excites her. So I think that's also a good fit for them. We'll see where they end up at the end of the standings. But that was a nice little comeback for the rain to come back from 2-0 down in a game that they didn't really have much of a chance to come back in, to be quite honest with you. So big three points for them. And lastly, only game of the day. But Washington Orlando were scoreless for about 65-66 minutes before Marta produced a moment of brilliance from outside the box, left-footed Howitzer off the post and in to give Orlando the lead, and it looked like they were going to hold on to that lead. But then a, a mistake from one of Orlando's defenders gives Ashley Hatch a tap-in on the, on the near post, and then... Uh, Trinity Rodman setting everything up as per usual. The catalyst for this team down that wing is just so scary. And what she does, uh, had an opportunity to play in Ashley Hatch, but was double teamed, got the ball out centrally, and then Ashley Sanchez, wanting to get the ball onto her right foot, cuts outside and gets her body all the way around it uh, for that ball to go top shelf. Um, It was beautiful to make it 2-1 Washington again Tom Torres the interim manager getting a big win uh for for the Spirit, who again are building with that young roster so that was also an incredible game all right guys it is time for the interview portion of the show our first interview features Veronica Latsko striker for the Houston Dash enjoy guys Veronica how are you and how's the team doing after a, a tough loss in the, in the WICC
1: Um, I think we're doing okay Uh, it's kind of a tournament vibe so obviously when you lose a game at the time and right after you feel that loss and you kind of soak in the disappointment and just being pissed off after the game but then the next day you have to wake up and learn from it, turn around and start preparing for the game that's in two days from your last game. So that's kind of the feel right now. We're like, okay, like it sucks, but we still have a game ahead of us and we have to win that game. So that's kind of the vibe. Mm
0: -hmm. You mentioned uh, tournament vibes. What's it like having to adjust to playing in a cup competition like this mid-season since you've never really had to do this before in this way?
1: i mean it's weird because if we didn't have the challenge cup last year i I would have said i honestly i'm not used to it but because of the challenge cup last year i think that everybody has like a mindset of okay like it's tournament time let's turn it on we've been here before let's do it again and it's still pretty recent so a year ago we were doing the same thing and i think just switching mentality and focusing on these this past week here in portland has been really good because it does add a different dimension to a really long season
0: Mm -hmm. and you mentioned the long season now that you've played in the WICC, and how does it feel to play in that competition compared to the NWSL?
1: Um, well, you might have to ask me this question after we play Barcelona. Um, <laughs> but and as of right now, it still kind of feels like we're, we're in the NWSL playing Portland. Um, so... Right now, like when we were approaching that Portland game, it felt very much as if that they were an in-season game. Because again, like we, I think we've, that was the third time this season we've played them. Uh, and we played them two more times. So, <laughs> bit of a tricky question. But it is, it's fun prepping for this Barcelona game. Because they're a team that doesn't play like the other teams in our league do. And I think it's exciting. I think everybody has a, was really excited for this game
0: has it has it been a challenge getting ready for barcelona seeing that it is you know it's that level of of a club team
1: Uh, it's not so yes absolutely it's that level of a club team um but in all due respect i think that we are also like that level of a club team and i think it's just their style of play that is interesting to watch and scout and to see how fluid they are in their movements and the way that they can change positions and just how connected they are to one another and how they can move the ball. It's it's beautiful to watch and it's exciting to scout because it gives us a new challenge. It's how do you break them down? How do you keep them from breaking our lines and how do you contain them? So it's exciting.
0: Now, switching gears back to the NWSL, um, you guys are in a tight playoff race, uh, one win out of the top six. What's been the message in the locker room uh, to kind of stay stay focused?
1: Uh, Yeah, so like you said, it's a long season. I think for us, similar to the Challenge Cup, you just have to take everything one game at a time because as you see this league is so competitive that any team can beat another person on any given day so there's no ah like we're gonna rock up and this is going to be an easy win for us it's every game feels like it's a playoff game because you're playing incredible competition. So it's, it's challenging, but at the same time, you're also revered as good competition. So it's nice to feel respected and also to get, give that same respect to every other team in this league.
0: And for you personally now, uh, what's it been like for you to get back on the pitch and contribute in the way that you have since the ACL injury that you suffered a couple years ago?
1: It feels like forever ago, knock on wood, um, that I haven't been on the pitch. So I kind of tried to black out that 2019 year. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, it's been incredible. I've, I've loved playing for the Dash. And I, granted, like, we have a couple of new faces this year, but it's the same attitude and mentality of just working hard for each other and putting everything out on that pitch every time you step out. And that's why I love playing and why I love playing for this team because we really embrace that hardworking mentality and being able to contribute to this team with that, like being a player that really embodies that, I can't feel more at home. Mm-hmm.
0: And I know um, in the past you've also talked about um, the impact the W League has had on your career development and how much you enjoyed your time there. Uh, tell us more about kind of how that's helped you grow in terms of getting to where you are now.
1: Yeah, definitely. So um, it's kind of like two different time periods of my life. So the first time that I went down to Adelaide from the first season, I was a rookie, coming off my rookie year, trying to figure out. Uh, where I stood in the realm of professional soccer players. And if I was still like good enough to like break through and actually be a consistent starter in the league and to make an impact consistently every game and going down to Adelaide and being able to compete consistently and perform well consistently with great players around me made my confidence skyrocket which i think is such an important component to every person's game i think that confidence breeds success and success breeds confidence and if you have one you're more than likely going to get to the other and you just got to keep building off of that so i think the w league really helps in doing that and providing consistent soccer all year round that you otherwise wouldn't get if you're having like a four month off season So first year was great. And then second year, kind of the same thing, coming off my ACL injury, trying to figure out how to play soccer again. Um, And Sydney FC did a wonderful job in embracing me and making me feel comfortable getting back onto the field. And by the end of the season, when we were in the championship game, I was fully back to full health and able to really contribute to the squad and feel like I was back to where I was.
0: Now, as, as a striker, as a goal scorer, what is your favorite kind of goal to score? Is it header, long distance goal? You know, what is your go? Like, how do you like to put the ball in the back of the net? That's
1: a hard question because I grew up... Um, so my dad would always tell me that a goal is a goal, it counts. Um, at the end of the day, no one's gonna remember all the different types of goals that you scored. They're, they're just gonna remember it was a goal. Um, so growing up, he'd be like, you need to follow up every single shot that anybody takes because if it bounced off the keeper, bounced off post, it, it's it's garbage goal and garbage goals still count as regular goals. So um I like joke to this day. I'm like, I, I know, I'm I'm a garbage player. Like let me some garbage goals. <laughs> and like, it's it's true. Like I think my last goal, I would consider that a garbage goal. It's just bounced around. I'm three feet out from the goal line and you just have to you have to be there. Um, and be ready to put it in the back of the net. So
0: so it's so it's always been that way it was never even when you were, you know, more dominant at Virginia in college, like it, it was always the same mentality, right?
1: It's the same mentality. Just get in front of the goal and fight. That's that's because at the end of the day, like you could take 20 shots and if 19 of them are going in their upper 90s. Awesome. I could be in front of the goal 20 times. And if it's popping out for a rebound and I hit it 19 out of the 20 times. Still counts as 19 goals, the same as the upper 90 shots. So, if I can contribute in any way, it's it's fighting, it's scrapping, it's just being in front of the net so we can help our team win.
0: Mm-hmm. You see, uh, hearing you talk about your dad, how close, how important is your family to you?
1: They're everything. I wouldn't be here without all of their unconditional love and support. Um, they just, it's from the beginning, just driving me around to practices, trying to figure out what team in Western Pennsylvania was going to help me, what I needed to do, what camps I needed to go to in order to go to a great college and help my career further. And when I would said, hey, I don't think I'm ready to go to law school yet. I think I want to play professional soccer. They were like, you law school will always be there, but playing professional soccer is something that you no one really gets a chance to do. So, play for as long as you can, and as long as you love the game, we're here to support you for it. And the moment that you want to hang up the cleats, we will still love you all the same. So, that's it's always been about is soccer fun for me? <laughs> Am I loving it? And if that's the case, then keep going.
0: That's awesome uh so if you had to pick one moment it's gonna be tough one like what's your favorite moment from your career
1: oh, that's tough um i mean obviously like the ch- winning the challenge cup last year was incredible like i it's been a long time since i won something <laughs> 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 and then i think a lot of girls on the, on the dash felt the same way they're like I've never won anything in my life or like it's been like over a decade since I won something (laughs) and that's it was the best feeling in the world just when that final whistle blew and the celebrations that happened afterwards those are memories that I will forever have and associate with my career and like anytime anybody ever asks like what was the most was the best moment of your career most exciting like it's it's honestly it's not even so much the game it's like just the excitement afterwards <laughs> and how together we all felt for probably a week. I don't <laughs> think we left each other for a week.
0: That entire celebration was a vibe. Like yeah. that. <laughs> you guys were going nuts in the locker room like I had never seen anything like it felt like you guys won the Super Bowl. Like that, it's basically yeah. what it was for you guys. Yeah, I mean.
1: Yeah.
0: Absolutely. That was incredible. <laughs> and
1: it felt that way. And just like being stuck in a hotel for a month leading up to it, oh. I think made it even more like that much more worth it like it's like it actually all came for something like it happened for something like all of our struggles it resulted in this
0: so
1: that was that was huge for us
0: all the hard work paid off yeah that's really great
1: yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) last question for you um what is your advice to all the young girls out there looking to make it at either the college level pro level even their high school team what do they need to do
1: oh so for me, I was never, especially in college, I wasn't some standout player that was the leading goal, goal scorer for the ACC or the NCAA or even my own team. I didn't, I wasn't a consistent starter for my first two years at Virginia, and. I had to work really, really, really hard to become the player that I am. I, my college coach, Steve Swanson, I owe a lot to him because he took the time to develop me. And for my first two years, he would tell me that uh, I was an athlete, but I wasn't a soccer player yet. And by the end of my four years, he was like, you've turned into such a soccer player. Like you've transformed your game to become an actual proper footballer and that's when i was like i know i'm not ready to hang up cleats yet like i just want to keep going keep seeing how far i can go and for the people out there your game can change immensely i went from being such a one-dimensional player that was running behind that's it not really technical i had some speed but I wasn't the fastest Uh, i was fit so i could run a lot but It's just the different components that you can add to your game and the time that you put outside of training and in training that help develop you. So every minute, even to this day, like every minute that I get to train or practice on the pitch, on the field, even during warm-ups, I'm trying to develop my game. Like I'm seeing it as an opportunity to get better, and it sounds cliche, but if you take every minute that you have – devoting your energy to, hey, like, I might feel off today, but I'm going to get better, at least in this one component or in these three areas of my game, it makes a world of a difference. And even if that's just taking four shots of the same type of shot after every single training, if you're training six days a week, that's 24 shots that you're adding in addition to the shots that you're taking during training. So it's the little things that you add to your game to go the extra mile or the extra step, it adds up. And it, like at the end of the day, if you want it to result in something, it will.
0: Again, that was Veronica Latsko of the Houston Dash. I truly feel like uh, she's one of the more underrated, underappreciated players in the league. We don't have enough players like that who just aren't about flashy big time moves attracting attention to themselves she's flat out there to win do the best she can for her team and score goals and she's truly done it in a wide variety of ways it has not mattered how she gets the goals like you heard her say in that interview doesn't matter how you get them a goal a goal and she is one of the better in the league I, I feel at, at doing that so I think you know Veronica Lasko is an important piece for the Houston Dash moving forward we'll see how things go for them this year But again, a lot of encouraging signs from what they were able to do. Uh, That leads us into our next topic, actually, uh, the International Champions Cup. Uh, Speaking of, since we're on the topic of the Dash, I mean, they still did really well. Even though they came uh, fourth out of the four teams, I don't really think they have much to hang their hat on. I mean, to be sad about, uh, because they really attacked... They played a Houston Dash brand of football that only they know how to play. And uh, it was truly great to see that out on the pitch in in both of those games. Of course, against the Thorns, right, in that semifinal match, again, because of this tournament format, I'd said this in one of the previews that I wrote that, again, this two-game format, the Dash will play better. And I had a feeling that they were going to cause problems for Portland and whoever the international team was that they were going to play. So, you know, going out to that 2-0 lead, I think Houston expected to be in that position. Again, Shea Groom was outstanding. When she is like that, uh, she's almost unstoppable, unguardable really with with those players out there, with Rachel Daly out there. It was great that they had her, you know, had him out there. But as we also know, Houston's problem in the past has been holding on to leads, and that's exactly what happened. Uh, Natalie Cuica scored nicely to make it 2-1 but the big big story that everyone's talking about is olivia moultrie scoring uh, her first professional goal and i don't think anyone would have guessed it to come this early and i don't think anyone would have expected it to come in the fashion that it happened in the women's international champions cup a a free kick as well I mean are you kidding me this girl is gonna be something special and we can see it out there on the pitch uh so I don't think anything is is gonna slow down for her but you can see just what it meant to her and her teammates but just what a moment that must have been you know all the training sessions in the backyard all the work for her to do that in that moment um and then also to convert in the penalty shootout too um, in that game against the Dash, I mean, just showed what she's made of and that she's more than ready for this opportunity. So, you know, the, the Thorns did end up clipping the Dash in penalties because of Shelby Hogan, who made multiple saves in the shootout. Like, that doesn't happen. Third-string keepers don't just come in off the bench and make three penalty saves in a shootout, guys. Like, you don't understand this. Nadine Angerer deserves the biggest raise in the history of any goalkeeping coach's history. I mean, she's one of the top three keepers to ever do it, right? And easily the best goalkeeping coach in the world because she's. Already, we've already seen it happen with Bella Bixby, and now they have another one in Shelby Hogan who clearly is showing that she's got something. So, you know, the Thorns were able to advance thanks to that uh, penalty kick shootout win. But again, the dash looked great going into that third-place game. Of course, you know, Barca and Lyon also played in the other semifinal. I was not expecting Lyon to beat Barca. But again, based on the team lineups that they brought, uh, it seemed like every team wanted to give the reserves and subs a chance to play in the game first. Which is what that opening game, essentially, it was. It was like a tune-up game. Uh, Lyon put out a better team, quite frankly than what Barca put out. Barca didn't have Leak and Mertens and all those players out there. And so, you know, Lyon was ready for him and nicked the game 3-2 late after Barca had a 2-1 lead. Uh, Melvin Mallard with the winner to make it 3-2. Lyon would advance to play the Thorns. First, though, we got to get to the third place match. And that is, again, where the dash pushed Barca to their limits and could have very easily won the game again if they were willing to see out the defense through their defensive issues, but they haven't been able to do that still. Uh, again, Barca also completely blitzed by Houston and their overall tactics, toughness, skill. They would take a lead on two separate occasions, uh, but Barca were just too much in the end. Stars like Martins, Oshoala. Alexia Puteas came in and scored the two goals the one penalty, which was rightfully a penalty, and then a moment of brilliance to put the ball into the top corner of the net past Jane Campbell. Uh, So, Houston really did everything they could. Like, again, that's what I'm saying. Like, they cannot hang their heads in disappointment. They played so hard. And gave everything they could in that game, and unfortunately, it just wasn't enough. Barca were just slightly that much better on the day. You could see it over that those last 15 to 20 minutes, the way Barcelona pressed the game, looked for the win. It looked like that their passing was going to eventually break through the chances based on the chances that they were creating they were eventually going to break through and they did so another disappointing loss for the dash considering again they had a lead they had a lead twice and could have beaten barcelona but again no shame in in losing the way that they did because they have a lot to build on now moving forward based off of this and then, of course, the final um, was a close, tightly contested matchup. Not a lot of goals, but the Thorns managed to, to win it late. I mean, Lyon will be bitterly disappointed they don't defend their title because they had numerous chances. Amel Madri, Delphine Cascarino, both had big-time chances but just couldn't find the finishing touch. And just when it seemed like it was going to go to penalty kicks, who else? But Morgan Weaver coming through in the clutch like she always does in a situation... Just, you know, making life difficult for everyone else. The back line she makes... A bending run in behind that makes their lives so much more difficult and then makes and then forces Christian Endler to make a decision. Do I come out or not? I think Endler made the wrong choice to come out. She never should have tried to cut off that angle because by coming out, she gave Weaver the open goal to go and shoot and score. Uh, I think if she stays at home, I think nothing comes of that. But again, Morgan Weaver took what was given to her. With a nice little touch inside, again, forcing Endler to make a decision. And she made the wrong one. Weaver sticks it in the back of the net with less than five minutes to go. And boom, there you go. The Thorns are the champions in front of their home fans. And I think even though it wasn't the two teams with their death lineups or like the best possible team out there based on all the players they have on their roster that did not happen but you could definitely feel like these are the two biggest and most successful women's clubs in the world these are the two that everyone wants to be like that they are the gold standard leon and the portland thorns in in women's football so to see that matchup play out it was awesome it was so awesome to see it even though again like i said not all the best players were out there for the thorns to get this win it just reiterates right and it helps fill that void of like what if we played club teams from europe how would that go you know it really helps answer that question and so for the Thorns a big big win in the WICC and I'm sure of course that fan base is ecstatic but it only helps for our game by building more and more traditions like that and we will get into one of the other cup competitions in just a second but first wanted to take an opportunity to bring you our second interview from Walid Khoury one of the head coaches of Slammers FC one of the biggest National uh, Youth Soccer Clubs here in America. One of the winningest clubs in America. They have more than 30 clubs now, I believe, on the girls' side. You definitely want to listen to this interview, guys. Check it out. Here you go. So, Walid, how are you doing, and how are things going with your team overall in, in Slammers FC? We're doing great.
2: Uh, we're coming off uh, a big year. You know, we ended up in July with the ECNL playoffs, And now we're just resting our teams and looking forward for our brand new season starting in September. Mm -hmm.
0: Now, you've been with the Slammers for so long now. When you look back on what you've created and how big the Slammers have become, is it what you had always thought of in your head when you'd first set out to do this?
2: Um, The honest truth is no. You know, I started with uh, four teams, and we didn't even have any fields to train in we trained in a parking lot and the parents used to put their headlights on for us to train we couldn't even find fields to train on Mm -hmm. we went from there from a parking lot and the walls training on walls to to winning state cup and regionals and nationals and then after that we got fields we were the boys in the beginning they switched to the girls and the girls started doing really well starting 2000 and um, it's, it's been a fantastic journey. You know, life is a journey and you just don't know which way it's gonna take you, but it's been a fantastic
0: journey. Mm-hmm. And tell us more about the new youth to pro pathway partnership that you guys have created at Slammers FC.
2: Well, I'm currently the general manager for H.P. Kerr in Denmark. It's a team that I took over last year. Um, we came out of the second division. And we went to the Superliga there, and we ended up winning the the Superliga, uh, beating Bronte in the last game. And now we are in the Champions League. As a matter of fact, we are waiting on the draw on Sunday to see who we're going to play. With that being me being the GM and here with Slammers, I wanted to create a pathway where we're able to take players during the summer, 16s, 17s, 18s, to train there and see the pro team. And eventually, hopefully, when players graduate from college, that are slammers, that there's a pathway for them there too.
0: That's a really, really awesome program. Um, it, what do you, you, yeah? What do you personally like most about coaching? Is it the day-to-day process? Is it the championships and the titles, or is it getting the chance to to work with the youth?
2: impacting kids life Uh, I think coaching is you know when you've done it right when you just put a everlasting impact on a kid's life and you know when you've really done it right when you're getting invited to their weddings so Mm -hmm. for me just impacting kids life is has been the best part for me in coaching Preparing them for life through the up and downs, like the games. Sometimes you lose games, times you win games. What you do after you lose is what's important. And stirring adversity straight in the eye, and preparing these young athletes to go on to college and then into a life, and leaving these pillars in their lives. That's that's been the most exciting part.
0: Mm-hmm. And you've mentioned in the past that it's not about the number of teams that you currently have, but the quality that you guys have. How have you been able to instill that culture of, of quality within Slammers FC so successfully?
2: Um, we've been able to create a culture, and the culture is a word that everybody throws around. It takes years, if not decades, to develop. And I give all the credit on that to all our alumni that graduated and had the top of top of to the next team and the next team and the next team. We just we don't put a lot of emphasis on winning at the younger ages and we'd like to develop the players of the younger ages and give them the freedom to play. And then what well, we, we really have done very well is established layers of coaching where there's certain coach responsible for players of the younger ages. Then it goes for two years to another coach and that coach hands it to that group to another coach. And that's where, where we really have gotten better and mastered over the years. It takes a lot of time to master something and you learn a lot from your mistakes, and that's how that's, that's I think we've been successful. We, we, we attract those players that want to be in our environment, and um, our alumni have done a great job handing that baton, and we have our own DNA right now, and that's the exciting part. Mm-hmm.
0: And what would you say was the biggest obstacle for you um, in terms of creating Slammers FC and getting to this point?
2: obstacle for me was honestly in the beginning when when everybody just put the emphasis, especially at the younger ages, is all winning, 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 winning. And the parents don't know any better that this is this is the most important time to develop players. Mm-hmm. Most important time to develop players between ages six to fourteen. And after that, you know, whatever they gain there from tech, especially technically, then you could take it the next step and work with them tactically and figure out what positions they are the best at. And how do you install those technical functions that they've learned into that position and learn how to play that position tactically. So I would say the hardest part is always just getting rid of that winning mentality at the younger ages and letting players play and make mistakes.
0: Mm -hmm. And Slammers FC is one of the most well-known teams in the nation. Um, but do you have a vision of expansion beyond this or are you satisfied right now with where you guys are at? Are you looking to do more or stay where you're at?
2: With, with our partnership with HP Care, that's been always a dream for me to have a pathway to Europe. Mm -hmm. I think Europe, as you've seen in the last Olympics, is putting a lot of time into money into their, their, their leagues and developing players. Mm -hmm. Um. For me, my vision is to how many players we're going to put in college, how many players we're going to impact, and how many players hopefully make the national teams and help our national teams uh, win in the World Cups
0: and the Olympics. Mm-hmm. And we just saw, I believe, one of your best players that has ever come to Slammers was Kristen Press. Um, what was it like having her as a part of, of Slammers FC? And, and talk a little bit about her growth from when you coached her till till now?
2: Well, it's my brother Ziad, that Ziad Corey that coached her. Okay. And I, I was always around Kristen too, but, you know, look, you can develop all the players you want. Being as gifted as Kristen Watts, that's a God gift. And God gives a lot of gifts and how you nurture them is up to you. And to Kristen credit, that's, that's a part that not a lot of people know is, Kristen was an hour before every practice, taking hundreds, if not thousands of shots. And she was there after practice. And she always held the bar so high. She was probably harder on herself than anybody on the team. And that's, that's what made her special. And, and to see her going on from Slammers to Stanford, to her pro career, to the national team, and being as successful as she is, does not surprise me a bit because I know how much work she put into it and I know how much work she has put into it since that point. So it's a God gift that she nurtured and all the credit goes to her. She put all that time in and she got rewarded.
0: Wow. That was a really really great story. I did not know that, but I mean, it does make sense, you know, what she where she is, where she is now. Um, what is your advice to all the young girls out there we're trying to make it at the to the pro or college level since you've put so many in, in, into those levels
2: my advice to them is love the game put time into your craft put extra time into it not just in training but watching the game watching the game is so important you learn so much from watching i mean there's many ways of learning but for me for a footballer Visualizing is one of the best way of, of learning and ability to watch games. And when you watch games, don't just watch games to watch games. If you're a forward, just watch the forward that, that is on TV and see what they do on and off the ball. Then go out there on the field and try to do the same things. That's how you learn. You got to put time into it. It doesn't. It's not the more time you put into it, the more successful you got to be from a humanity standpoint, mm-hmm. always be a good person and always be a great leader and treat people around you the way you want to be treated. Not just because you're the best player that makes you special.
0: Again, that was Walid Khoury of Slammers FC, one of the head coaches who has turned them into a national power. Notice how how humble he was, honestly. Didn't even take any credit when it comes to Kristen Press. He was like, that's all Kristen, but I mean, ultimately, He did play a role uh, in in some shape or form by giving them that platform. So, again, thank you, Walid, for everything that you have given uh, to the world of, of youth soccer here in America and to what you will continue to contribute. We greatly appreciate the work that you and your brother do with Slammers FC. All right, now, as I mentioned earlier, the Women's Cup. A new kind of cup. I mean, seeing what the Women's International Champions Cup created, right, with Portland and that situation with with that fan base, that was an incredible moment. And what it's doing is it's that kind of energy that will lead to more competitions being created, right, such as the Women's Cup was not expecting this at all, but for Louisville to be hosting in their new stadium, huge as an expansion team. To be hosting PSG and Bayern Munich, that's fans from France and Germany and around the world who are now aware of this new franchise. If they weren't aware of it before, now they actually know about racing Louisville. Then you have Chicago Red Stars, who were their opponent in that first match. Um, What was so interesting about this competition was... That Louisville Red Stars game actually counted towards the NWSL play in the standings, uh, so they actually split the point after the draw, even though you know Ebony Salmon picked uh, Danielle Colaprico's pocket to make it one 0 and then Kailia Watt with a nice finish to make it one-one. So they ended up sharing the points, a point each, but then they go to penalties afterwards, right? So Louisville ended up beating Chicago and. The other game was also a penalty shootout to settle things, even though PSG and Bayern played to a 2-2 draw. Bayern did just enough in penalties, meaning Louisville faced Bayern Munich, which, again, I don't think was the final that most would have predicted, but Louisville versus Bayern Munich, and then the Red Stars versus PSG in the third-place game. PSG, Marie Antoinette Catoto scored a really nice goal, Uh, to make it 1-0, and Chicago simply could not find an answer after that. But the 2-2 game between Louisville and Munich in the final, for Louisville to be hosting this game, I cannot tell you what this is going to do. We're going to have so many more competitions pop up next year. Like, Don't even be surprised if we get more like this so that every single NWSL team or actually, no, you can't do that other way. Or maybe, no, no, they would make it fit, right, within the NWSL rules. So it would have to be something like this, where the match actually counts towards the league standing or something. Then you could potentially have everyone in the league in a, in a midseason cup competition. That would be really, really cool. But anyway, back to the game it was 1-1 late and then Yuki Nagasato goes ahead and just like with this mid-air volley strike i don't even know what to call it but it just somehow like elegance personified just found the top corner and it really looked like that was if that was the goal to win them the title oh my god louisville's already making moments of history for them to build their franchise on which you can't say about some of these other expansion teams you haven't had many you know wow moments in that in, in that first season to really help propel you into bigger and, and better things louisville is getting that and then some unfortunately they somehow conceded an own goal in the, 90, in, the in stoppage time so they were denied that title chance until penalties And the penalty shootout got even better because Katie Lund, the backup goalkeeper, went in there. Everyone else had either... You know, everyone else's turn had passed. I don't think everyone in the shootout made their penalties, but the way the score worked out, it was the goalie's turn. Lund converts her penalty and then stops Bayern Munich's keeper from scoring to give Louisville their first trophy in their history. And it's huge for them as an expansion team to be doing this in their first year of existence. Like Teams don't do that. Again, it's so hard to do. So again, a ton of credit goes to Louisville to coach Christy Holly and his staff, to the players, to everyone, congratulations on winning that trophy. Of course, congratulations to the Thorns for winning the WICC, but... For Louisville to do this, to beat the Red Stars and then Bayern Munich in back-to-back games? Are you serious? No one could have seen this coming. And for them to do it at home, so both teams end up holding serve in their competitions, it's, I mean, it it is great for them, Louisville, to get this win. Again, it's just so exciting. It's so exciting the fact that they beat Bayern Munich in a shootout. Huge. And acts really as a litmus test. Like I said earlier, uh, even if some teams take it like a preseason game, that's okay. When the games go this way, it only means we're gonna see more of it, and that's a great thing. Again, when we talk about the growth and exposure of this game internationally, there is not enough. We can't watch the Frauen Bundesliga uh, or League One Feminine, right? We have to go out of our way to find some way to watch it, and even then, it's darn near impossible. Uh, trying to, you know. They aren't as big in in Europe on on social media and and Twitter and posting the highlights to goals and things like that. They don't post it there. So how are we in America supposed to be able to keep up with it? It makes things difficult, you know? So we want to interconnect the game. On the men's side, everyone knows what's going on in the major leagues, uh, in all the major European leagues. It should be the same way in the women's game. It should be. The the Barclays FAWSL has it covered. The A League down in Australia has you covered. But outside of that, the other leagues aren't don't give you quite that much content to be able to follow the league week in and week out. So again, more competitions like these, please, please, please. Alright, this is a new segment we're gonna be doing uh called the soccer scoop. Any type of important news involving the lifestyle of some of these players, we'll we'll get into it. Uh, One thing, two items for, for this week's Soccer Scoop segment. The first being Sam Kerr and Christy Mewis. Hello. Hello. When did this happen? Right? We're all curious as to when this... Relationship uh, developed and, and blossomed. I remember seeing the photograph after they played each other in, in that Olympics match, right? I think that was the first giveaway for me. Again, I'm not fully up-to-date on this. I'm sure some of you guys listening are more up-to-date on this. I'm sure there was other stuff earlier, but I was sent a picture from one of my very good friends, J-Block, Justin Block, that first picture, and then it just became full-blown PDA. And Which, again, I just wasn't expecting because Sam Kerr wasn't that way with Nikki Stan. Obviously, that was a different relationship. But, um, yeah, things are a little bit different with Christy. They're far more open. And uh, there's, again, nothing wrong with that. It's just different. Just was not expecting to see it knowing what Sam Kerr's personality is like. But, again... It's a very, it's a very unique couple. Was not expecting this between Sam Kerr and Christine Mewis, but happy for them. Very, very happy for them. Wish them the best. They're like that next big uh, power couple in soccer between two players like Ashlyn Harris and Allie Krieger, uh, Tobin Heath, Krista Press. You know, this is another one right here for sure, for sure. And speaking of. You know, soccer power couples. There is one that is also no more. One that we were not quite expecting. Sydney LaRue, I believed earlier this month, announced that she would be splitting from Dom Dwyer again. A bit of a shock, but there are rumors. Of course, there are rumors. We cannot confirm any of this, right? But th- there was some sort of falling out. Potential rumors of him cheating in the relationship. So you'd have to see. Uh, We don't know anything about that situation. There could be all types of things. That's their private life. Sydney LaRue has asked to keep this private, and I think that's how things will stay. Just a a pretty big shock, I think, seeing how happy they were initially having two kids together. I know that will be their priority uh, going forward. Sydney LaRue has also said that that is her number one priority. So, you know, uh, just was not expecting that after so many years, but still big news in the world of women's soccer. All right, and that is it for episode 43 of Give and Go. I am your host, Rotas Wadera, and thank you so, so much for making the choice to listen to us at Girls Soccer Network. Again, check us out at girlssoccernetwork.com. On Instagram, Acro Soccer Network, and on Twitter, Acro Soccer Net. Again, this podcast, give and go. You can get it on Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, a lot of different places, guys. Be sure to download. All right. Love y'all. We'll be back soon. Peace.